Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we update you on some of the things going on in the NBA. We seed some of the best moments in Charlotte Hornets franchise history. Doug finally catches up on Tiger King and this. Yeah, he was drafted as a BJ, I believe. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. Always tough to try to come up with a podcast at these times. Just here before we were about to start, Doug making lots of noises, lots of aggressive sounding noises. I don't know if I should call them angry, but just lots of slamming, lots of trying to figure things out. We did a lot of planning, trying to figure out what we were going to talk about before we actually hopped on the mic. We are going to come up with all of the different moments you guys tweeted at us, some of the moments that we thought of for the best Charlotte Hornet moment of all time bracket. We're going to try to seed that later on in the show today. We will talk Tiger King as Doug has finally caught up on that. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. We even have Byron Mullins sound, but this should be pretty interesting um, <laughs> with all the content that we have tried to fix here, Doug. We should be clear that it is not, unfortunately, it is not sound from Byron Mullins. That would be what I would like to call uh, the, the grand poobah of sound. The, the, the absolute, holy grail of sound. <laughs> the holy grail. That was probably the better analogy there. Thank you. Um, although I do like the grand poobah of sound. I- Probably better. It sounds better. That would be it, Lord Byron Mullins. This this is actually sound from the Hollinger and Duncan podcast. They were discussing Byron Mullins and the 2011-2012 Bobcats, the infamous 2011-2012 Bobcats. Uh, So we'll have that coming up. We th- the kind of podcast this has become is two <laughs> segments. We'll mention Byron Mullins in that. Uh, <laughs> we have two segments where at least we will utter the name Byron Mullins, and I guess now that's three because we have just led this segment off. Well, with Byron. My, then my master plan is complete. Then it is. It is complete. I imagine you will have that moment with him dunking on Lamarcus Aldridge. If you just want a little appetizer into the second segment where we discuss some of the best moments in franchise history, wanted to update you guys first on some of the things, the updates around the NBA. Marcus Smart says he's cleared of the coronavirus, which is good news for him. Uh, Stefan Marbury is going to try to get masks from China because he's a god in China, and he's going to try to get that for New York. So cool that Stefan Marbury is trying to step up. And as you heard over the weekend, maybe it didn't, but uh, Knicks owner James Dolan actually tested positive for the coronavirus. So those are a couple of the updates just as far as some of the bigger national headlines surrounding the NBA Doug, I know you have some other updates that you wanted to share with us as well. Yeah, this comes to us from the Axios Sports Newsletter. So if you're not subscribed to that, check that out. It's a great newsletter. Uh, They've got a few updates on what's going on in the world of basketball while we are all quarantined, including, I don't want to get you too excited, Walker, but we could see basketball in some form, live basketball, return to television. Are you ready for this? I'm so ready. I think I speak for all of us when I say we're all extremely ready for this. I just don't need you to tease us. You did try to preface this by saying, don't get too excited. Are you doing mean things to us by right now by even just mentioning this is a possibility? I know this is a possibility. It's a very good possibility. And this comes to us courtesy of Ice Cube and the big three. Who would have thought that Ice Cube would be the first person to bring us back live sports, live basketball back into our lives. But the big three has joined forces with Endemol, You may know them as the producers of popular reality shows like Big Brother and Biggest Loser. Well, now they're trying to produce the big three. 
the show is tentatively called Big Brother Big Three. So what would happen here, Walker, as I understand it, is they would find 16 players and a set number of referees that have all received negative coronavirus test results. They will quarantine them in a L.A. area home where they all live together and compete in a three-week tournament, and they would film everything. And so you would not only get to see them play basketball, you would get to see them do everything, and you'll see it live. Uh, that is amazing. I did not expect you to say that. I just thought we were going to follow the lives of some of the families or some of the people that are a part of the big three, let alone, I didn't know they were going to be in a house competing in a basketball tournament by themselves. That's fantastic. I'll, I'll take that. Well, and some people are saying this is a little controversial because it, can the big three create those safe conditions, right? Or is it even responsible or maybe or is it opportunistic to do this right now while everyone is quarantined? But as the producers of the big three see it, they provide entertainment and they're going to do that in a healthy and safe way. And so we'll see if this thing actually gets off the ground but I think a lot of sports fans would welcome any kind of live action. And I think the big three sees a perfect opportunity to get in here while the NBA is away. The big three might play. And we know, too, that Al Jefferson has been a part of the big three. Uh, I believe Stack Jack, right? Didn't Steven yeah. Jackson play for the big three? Yeah, so we was. could see possibly some Bobcats slash Hornets legends play in this thing. Yeah, <laughs> some legends. I would be excited to see that. Uh, yeah, and I don't know how you do that without testing. And then I wonder if there would be criticism because the big three athletes get testing maybe before some other people would. So there are certainly going to be some controversial. Well, I mean, I, that's that's, that's happened in the NBA and nobody see. Well, I mean, right. there was a little bit of a thing, but. Oh, it was a big thing in my opinion. You didn't think it. You didn't think there was a lot of criticism towards the NBA. It seemed like there was a lot of people angry that NBA athletes were getting tested before other just individual people that don't play in the NBA. Oh, well, I was upset about it too, but I wasn't upset at the NBA. I was upset because the NBA was going to private sources to get the tests and and they have the resources to do that. I was mad at the the government oh, of, the, of the United States for not providing right. adequate testing to the people that don't have the resources to go out and get private testing. Sure. Sure. No, federal testing in general, it certainly was taking a long time and there still needs to be some issues that need to be fixed on that front. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk about here just a little bit before we dove into some of the moments in the second segment surrounding the Hornets and their history. Doug, there's, we do this, we do this segment on the wake up call and Rosinski and Yarbrough that airs in the afternoon on our station. And we kind of ask a question, we pose it, we ask it back and forth, we answer it and then we pose a different one. And the question that was posed to us on Friday, perhaps you saw it on Twitter from Rosinski and Yarbrough, but they posted to us and we answered it today. If there was an athlete that left Charlotte, you wish would have stayed longer who would it be? And this of course, being in light of Cam Newton leaving and Cam Newton, that's, that's really tough to watch the franchise quarterback of the Carolina Panthers leave, especially the most relevant sports figure in the history of Charlotte sports. And I think there are a lot of complications to answering some of this, but I decided to go Alonzo morning, even after the beautiful history that Rick Bennell displayed to us when he discussed some of the backstories as to why Al, uh, Alonzo morning left. And, and I, I think I just went with it because he was only here a few seasons because he's one of the best defensive players of all time in the NBA's history. He comes in and averages, you know, 21 and 10 in his rookie year. They get to a couple of playoff appearances. And I, I just thinking about Alonzo, the player, right? Thinking about how good he was. 
if he would have stayed a little bit longer, even if LJ leaves and they still do the Knicks trade, how about Anthony Mason and Alonzo Mourning playing on the same team? I mean, I, I would I would be down with that. I would be down with Alonzo being the guy for a long time, kind of like he was with Miami once he went there. And the one thing that you would refute with, though, if you were against Alonzo Mourning being the athlete that you chose, it's because he left on his own accord. It's because he wanted out of Charlotte. And you might feel defensive because this is this is our city and he wants to leave. And it's kind of like good riddance because of the way that he left. But to me, Doug, I just thought the talent was so good. Alonzo Mourning was my answer, but you would go a different direction. That's exactly how I feel. I feel like he decided, and we we just went over this on on Hornets uh, Hidden Hornets history. So go back and listen to that episode last week with Rick Bennell, where we really dove deep into this issue. Even though Alonzo Mourning was traded, uh, he was forcing the trade, mm-hmm. and he did not want to play in Charlotte. And players at the time were begging him to stay, saying, "Hey, man, we got a good thing going here. I mean, we could really compete." If you stayed and he said, no, I want to go to play for Miami. I want to go play for Pat Riley. I want to go where there's lots of money and luxury seats and opportunity. And he didn't want to play in this like podunk city of Charlotte. That is not the city of Charlotte that we know today. uh, That is a burgeoning metropolis. It was not that when, when he was there and he decided to abandon Charlotte, he abandoned Charlotte. And so, no, I would rather have, Cam Newton, Kimba Walker, the entire roster of the 2001-2002 Charlotte Hornets that were forced to move to New Orleans because of bad ownership and bad city management, frankly. I mean, we could do some Hornets hidden history on on that idea of them leaving and, and how everybody was terrible. It's kind of like Tiger King. Like, when you go back and really look at the uh, the history of the Hornets moving to New Orleans, it's easy to blame George Shen, and he deserves a lot of the blame. But I, there were a lot of bad actors in that whole debacle that ended up stripping us of so much of Hornets history for a long time. So I would love to have that entire roster back, including my favorite player, Baron Davis, back before I would have Alonzo Mourning back. Get out of here. Enjoy Miami. Yeah, Baron Davis, of course, leaves with the city. So that opens up a whole new can of worms when trying to discuss this. He leaves with the team, I should say, leaves the city with the team. If that was within the realm of possibility, then okay, I sure we can open it up to that. The one thing I is, I kinda, yeah, you did excellent job. I was thinking more of the circumstances in which each of the players were facing at the time that they left, and I get that Alonzo Mourning forced his way out, and you could absolutely feel angry at him as you do. The Larry Johnson stuff when he goes to the New York Knicks, I would rather have the health. If you were to wave a magic wand, as you put it before we came on air, Doug, if you were to just give Larry Johnson a clean bill of health then that makes sense for Larry Johnson to be your answer. But even considering that, even considering Kimba Walker with the team that he left, we wanted Kimba to leave. And it wasn't even like that. We just wanted the team to have a fresh start, understanding that it was probably the right direction to take. And so Kimba goes to the Boston Celtics. I don't want Kimba back in this kind of context. But if Alonzo Mourning stays here with the Charlotte Hornets and plays a couple more years with Larry, let's say that Larry's back is hurt and they still want to get rid of him because they see the future coming as it is. They go after and get Anthony Mason. There's a lot of different scenarios where once Michael Jordan leaves and that Eastern Conference Finals window is open because Jordan's out of the picture and it goes to the Orlando and the Houston Rockets and then it's the Houston Rockets and the New York Knicks. Like you have two different representatives in the East. I think the Charlotte Hornets could have made the Eastern Conference Finals had Zoe stayed. And that's the reason I go with it. But I understand if you're angry at Zoe because he certainly didn't leave on the best terms. 
No, I, he didn't. And but uh, you know, I think that uh, I would love to have LJ in a Hornets uniform and retired a Hornet. I mean, I get why they didn't make the move at the time. It was a lot of money to invest in a player that they were not sure was going to be of any value. It was actually a surprise when LJ went to New York and sort of transformed his game into a three-point shooting forward that was a little ahead of his time, but he had lost all of that uh, athleticism that made him just a terror when he was a member of the Charlotte Hornets, but he was a valuable piece of what the New York Knicks were trying to do in building uh, their finals contender. But yeah, I would I would take LJ nine times out of ten over, over Zoe. Um, let's talk about Postmates, folks. Uh, we're all stuck inside. Uh, this stinks, uh, but it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy some of the favorite uh, meals that you love. I've been using Postmates for the past week to support local businesses around me here in Nashville, Tennessee, to get uh, that same food, that same great taste. You can use Postmates. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But here's the thing. Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier because they can deliver groceries and whatever I can think of. They deliver that too. convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. Postmates has got you. So no more trips to the store. No more late night food runs. You can't even do that right now. You don't have to worry about where to grab lunch. You just call Postmates. Uh, just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites. Get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery. That's amazing. Uh, credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNBA. All one word. Smush it together. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase. First seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. We seed the greatest moments in Charlotte Hornets history next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. And would, you, would, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Sh- shards? No, I would not have. That's <laughs> awesome. That's It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And get the chance to join Doug and Nada this weekend, basically providing the play-by-play for the Ultimate Universe Charlotte Hornets via Doug's Nintendo Switch. You still have a chance to do that because Doug, I think you had a good enough time that you wanted to replicate that maybe down the road. You can do so by joining us at Patreon.com/loh. Doug, as you mentioned, you are going to open it up to the people. What kind of other details do you have for us, and what you want to do for the future, and how I went with Nada this past weekend? Yeah, you can definitely watch this uh, live stream. We're going to open it up to everyone on the Patreon page. So look for that link in the show notes. Uh, but here's the deal, folks. I, I, let's talk about how the Hornets were doing in the Hornets alternate universe before this game. We know they had started their alternate universe on a five-game winning streak. They had suddenly gotten back into the playoff picture. Virtual James Borrego had taken over the reins and said, no, we're going to start winning again. He started Malik Monk. He was giving big minutes to Batum and Billy Hernan Gomez, who were playing well. But then they hit a rough patch. They lost a couple of close games to really, really good teams. They were losing by four to the Lakers. They lost by four to the Trailblazers. And then comes the game that we decided to live stream on YouTube and call. It was a game uh, that would have been played on Saturday against the Los Angeles Clippers. And things just fell apart for the Charlotte Hornets at the worst time. They lost this game, Walker, 133 to oh 69. God. Oh, my God. 
What it, happened? It was the third <laughs> biggest loss in NBA history and the worst <laughs> loss in Charlotte Hornets franchise history, alternate cool. universe franchise history. How awful was it calling that game of all games to call? That's well, got to be brutal. Well, here's what's interesting because, you know, we, we are not the Fox Sports broadcast team, so we don't have to, you know, there's certain things that we don't have to do that maybe the Fox Sports broadcast team has to do, you know, put a try to put a good face on things. And so it was, you know, when the Clippers were up 30, 40 points going into the to the fourth quarter, we were like, okay, you know, sorry, this is a blowout. Let's just talk about what's happened with the Charlotte Hornets this season. And and Nada and I had a good time. So you should definitely go listen to get Nada's thoughts on everything that has happened uh, this season. But as it became clearer and clearer in the fourth quarter, because here's what happened. Borrego calls the dogs off and he's putting in Joe Cheeley. He's putting in Caleb Martin and the Clippers, for whatever reason, virtual Doc Rivers did not give a damn. He did take Kawhi out, but he leaves Paul George in there. He he played uh, uh, Lou Williams' big minutes, and then Landry Shamit was just crazy as well. But he leaves all those guys in there, and you're playing against Charlotte Hornets' third string, and so it just got worse and worse. And and so then we just started looking at records. You know, what kind of <laughs> records are, is this going to break? And uh, here's a great stat for you. Clippers in this game had 52 fast break points to the Hornets, four. <laughs> four. Malik Monk took 17 shots in the first quarter. I'm not even kidding. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it, though. I want more Malik Monk shots in the next quarter. Give me 19. Give me 20. Give me 25. Yeah, he did not make many of them. That's up. sort of what, what took the wheels off of this thing really early. But it go watch Malik it. Monk it was a fun time. Not and I together just kind of yucking it up through throughout most of it. So, again, look for that link in the show notes. I'll, I'll open that up to everyone on the Patreon page. If you haven't considered supporting our Patreon page, now is a great time. I mean, we're doing this uh, podcast uh, for free for you. And so it's a great way to say, Hey, um, you know, keep it going guys. Uh, so it's patreon.com forward slash LOH. And we do stuff like that, um, on, on a regular basis. All right. You're not going to come anywhere close to finding good or great moments in that game that Doug and Nada were a part of, but we do have a lot of the Charlotte Hornets greatest moments listed right in front of us. Uh, in total, we have 29, almost 30, some of them may be stretches. Some of them are totally legit. How dare you? But we're going to try to dwindle this down to 16, 16 different moments. We're going to try to break it up into four different sides of the bracket as a usual bracket goes. And we are going to try to come up, I think, with the one seeds before we really seed the entire tournament. So I, I think let's start from the top, Doug. I think the overall number one seed, it has to be the Alonzo morning shot even though you just trashed him in the last segment, I think he is the guy that is responsible for the biggest Charlotte moment, uh, Charlotte Hornets moment in the franchise's history because of the playoff series win that they get against a historic franchise because of the way that it comes. It's almost a buzzer beater, not quite, but it almost was a buzzer beater and the Charlotte Hornets with him leading the way. I mean, it was a fantastic shot and it's funny because it's a, it's a post player that really wasn't doing his damage from really all that far. I just think clearly it's got to be the number one overall seed. Uh, I think you're right because, uh, and we've already done a rewatch of that game. And so if you haven't checked that out, go back in the feed or go to the, go to our YouTube uh, channel and check that out because uh, that rewatch was really fun. But um, there were a lot of circumstances around that game. Obviously first playoff series victory. It was during a time when Charlotte was just 
enamored with the Hornets. You didn't have the Panthers uh, competing like they compete today. And so it was just a special thing. And then you had the call by Martin. And so, yeah, all of that, I think, comes together. And, and right now, that is still the greatest moment, or at least it is a number one seed. Um, and definitely has, I think, is definitely going to make the finals of this thing. I'm already kind of spoiling it. But we're going to leave it to you, by the way. We're going to tweet these out and let you vote on these things. So maybe I'm accidentally impacting the voting. Uh, if I had to select a number one seed here, I'm going to go Kimba Walker breaking the all-time franchise scoring record. That was just a special night in general. It had a weird feeling because we didn't know what the future of Kimba Walker was, but we definitely knew the past. And we had seen Kimba Walker, a homegrown guy, you know, drafted him and watched him explode into this all-star starting caliber guard in in a in an Eastern Conference that was full of great guards. So I'm going to go Kimball Walker breaking the all-time franchise scoring record as my number one seed pick. So, and, and to me, I think we've talked about this before. I don't think that's the number one seed in my opinion. Well, as much it as is like, because I selected it. <laughs> well, you're going to ultimately come. That's a great retort. It's not, it, it's, I don't know if there's any evidence or anything that I can suggest that would go against that. But to me, I didn't need validation that Kimball Walker was the greatest Charlotte Hornet of all time. And I understand that's a big moment for any franchise's history for a player to become the all-time leading scorer. But Kimba had already become the franchise's best player in, in my mind. And that also comes in a loss. And that also comes in garbage time, I believe, when they weren't going to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it was kind of at the end. And it almost was, I'm not going to say it was taken away, but to me, it just didn't feel like a number one seated moment, even in a franchise that doesn't have a lot of great moments to its name. Well, then you just don't you don't appreciate moments then because I mean that was it was a, it was a time where we could all and it was it happened at home and Kimball Walker sort of made sure that it happened at home because they would go to travel uh, to play the Washington Wizards next and he didn't want to break it on the road and it was just a, a moment that allowed us all to celebrate the full greatness that was Kimball Walker in our Charlotte Hornets uniform so I think you're crazy it's definitely a number one seed and it is because I selected it. You just don't even like moments. That was your that was your insult to me. Well, how about uh, how about Space Jam, Doug? Can we put Space Jam there Whoa. at a time at, at a time when Larry Johnson was nationally known? At a time where Muggsy Bogues had this novelty of being the five three guy in the NBA and actually being pretty damn good. There's two Charlotte Hornets in that Space Jam roster, and to me, if you look at everything else, if you look at all the other moments, one we kind of get into semantics here on what really is considered a moment and what's just, and what are, I don't even know what you would call some of these, what, what's a moment, right? Where there's a shot or whether there's just this great feat that they accomplished. I, to me, space jam is something that I think put them known nationally somewhat, but I don't know if you could consider that a moment. What are your thoughts on space jam being a one seed? I love it because again, it's all about narrative, right? I mean, we're really trying to establish what were the the pivotal moments for this franchise. And I think that, you know, can sit as a representative of the fact that the Charlotte Hornets were once a national franchise. They were, they were at the level where you would see Hornets gear around the country, people that had never they didn't know where Char they couldn't put they couldn't point to Charlotte out on a map to you, but they were fans of the Hornets. We've seen the uh, 
the video. Oh, what was the what was the kid's name that the Hornets just drafted uh, a few years ago in like Slovenia? And there's pictures of him as We're a teenager. Yeah. Like a Bolka. Yeah. There's a picture of him in a Hornets jacket. Like it's just crazy. It was not maybe it wasn't even national. Maybe it was worldwide because the of the colors, because of everything. So uh yeah, I love Space Jam being the number one. Yeah, even with the Kimball Walker um Kimball Walker franchise breaking uh, performance that he had, the, the points being the career leader in points, I should say, a franchise leader in points. I think that for me, I might even go with the all-star starter nod that he got when Charlotte hosted the all-star game here. I thought that was cool. Like we had something to boast. It went really well that weekend. The only thing that didn't go well was the weather, but I think Charlotte did a fantastic job of hosting the all-star game just even last season and Kimball Walker being an all-star starter there the year before he exits the franchise to go to the Boston Celtics. I think that's one that I might put up there, Doug. Some other choices for me would be maybe Anthony Mason and Glenn Rice, both making not only just an All-NBA team, but how about Anthony Mason and Glenn Rice making second team All-NBA in the same season for the Charlotte Hornets? I thought that was a pretty cool moment at the end of the season to kind of validate, hey, here's a team with some real talent and they get to the playoffs and I don't know if they make any noise, but this is a team that actually gets to the playoffs with a couple of guys that are deemed really good. Yeah, so the Hornets have some 50-game uh, winning seasons uh, back in the 90s. Uh, they had some uh, extended playoff runs in the 90s and then early 2000s. Uh, they've had uh, great some great draft selections, including Kimball Walker. Uh, they've had some all-NBA guys. But I think for my final number one seed selection, I'm going to go to... I think you got to go just to the Hornets getting an NBA franchise. I mean, it was so improbable that Charlotte would be awarded a franchise all the way back in 1988. And then when they were, Charlotte responded in, in such an incredible way, selling out the, the arena for almost 10 years. And it, I just I think that still to this day, them getting a franchise at all is a number one selection. What about a seven-game series against the Bucs? Because I, I go back to a comment I think you had on Friday when we did that rewatch of the Bucks and the Hornet series, the fourth quarters of games four through six. And you mentioned that one of the selling points to being a fan of the Charlotte Hornets is the fact that if they ever make an Eastern Conference Finals, it becomes the greatest moment in franchise history. And we get to be a part of that. So would it make sense that the Bucks and the Hornets seven game series should be a moment on this bracket or should it be disregarded because they didn't make it to an Eastern Conference Finals and there's no award for going through a seven game series in the second round. No. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. I, I mean, maybe it contends for me for like a third or fourth seed, but for a number one seed, it's gotta be a good feeling. And I have, I had a great feeling on the Alonzo morning shot. I had a great feeling on the Kimball Walker scoring record space jam is still a point of pride. Oh yeah, that's right. The Hornets were in a, like a huge movie. And then the Charlotte Hornets debut, you know, that obviously is going to give you the, the tingles, so, uh, I mean, I, th I love our, our number one seeds. I mean, I'm, I know you're not in love with the Kimball Walker scoring record, but I don't care. I'm in love with it. I know you don't. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised. I'm just glad that you didn't put Miracle After Midnight. As long as that wasn't going to be a number one seed for this franchise, uh, then I'm, I'm good. Oh, well, you can have your okay, that's fine. I mean, I'm taking this seriously, by the way. Now, I do have Byron Mullins dunk as a candidate. I do have Grandmama and Urkel winning the 2v2 two 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 title on Family Matters. That was a suggestion by a listener. I've got that in the list. Uh, so we'll have to find out what the second, third, fourth seed, but don't be surprised if one of my selections isn't Miracle After Midnight because that win was so crazy. 
I'm taking this seriously. Byron Mullins dunk over LaMarcus Aldridge is in here. That's a thing that you just uttered. That's something that you just said on this podcast. We have one final segment to go here. A part of the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Like, you can't drop a name like Anthony Tolliver into the middle of a ring. It's like dropping a piece of savory, juicy meat in, in a lion cage. You know, if you drop Anthony Tolliver's name into this conversation, I'm gonna attack that. it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna rip it up. I know that. I know that. Once, hey man, you gotta stay away from Anthony Tolliver. It's gonna make dug into a rabbit dog i'm tall over it it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast random hornets random bobcats whether it's anthony tolliver whether it's byron mullins doug loves them all i even certainly have an affinity for some of those players byron mullins maybe not as much but it's going to be the third segment in a row on this show that we mentioned byron mullins name and it's because a bigger podcast on the locked on podcast network mentioned it how about hollinger and duncan so they're doing this tournament correct doug where they are drafting some of the worst teams in the nba's history and hollinger with his first pick selected the Charlotte Bobcats seven win season. And um, they have a line about Byron Mullins about this. Here's that soundbite. If you want to listen to it. The thing that stuck out for this team was I, I went through some of the transactions for this team to try to find a transaction that I thought really typified what this team was about. Uh, before the season, they traded a 2013 second round draft pick, which uh, later became Alex Abrinas mm-hmm. to Oklahoma city for Byron Mullins. Yes. Mullins was third on the team in minutes, and he uh, had a 23% usage. Byron Mullins. Yes. I can't remember whether he was Byron or BJ. I think he changed it from BJ to Byron so that people he would was, take it more was, seriously. Was, yeah, he was drafted as a BJ, I believe. There you go. How was he drafted? He was drafted as a BJ. Yeah. John Hollinger, is that bad, NBA right? expert, Nate Duncan as well. Go listen to their podcast. The whole episode is pretty great. Um, now you have to you have to kind of put on some armor and just understand that they are going to laugh at that team. Maybe you laugh at that team and it's okay and you can laugh together. Um, but uh, they they do make fun of that team pretty hard. Uh, but they, you know what? Listen that that team brought it on itself. I'll say that uh, they had they they chose to get that bad. Uh, I think it makes me you know, it makes me understand why I'm grateful that this team, this current team is not going to get that bad, at least as, as far as we know. Uh, but yeah, Byron Mullins, he did play 65 games in that seven win season. 25 of them. He started, he averaged 22.5 minutes per game, field goal percentage, 42.5%, three point percentage, 23.5%. That's not good. Uh, nine points per game, five rebounds, but one vicious dunk against LaMarcus Aldridge. How about the 23% usage percentage? That was insane to me when he they touched were the going ball a lot. That number. Yeah. And he also, I don't know how he, he got the nickname seven feet of smooth. That's mm. a nickname that guy got. With Sorry, us. my bad. I did that. It's a great nickname. <laughs> seven feet of smooth. Doug was responsible for that one as well. One thing that has been sweeping the nation, it's been Tiger King and everybody's paid attention to it. I'm not usually one that jumps on some of these shows that, catch on fire and everybody takes notice of it. But 
I did get on this one. I binged it last week. I did it all in one day. As soon as we got done with the podcast, I believe on Wednesday, I immediately went to the television, brought up Netflix, clicked on it, and stayed in front of my television until it was about 7.30. And I just stared at a blank screen, as you mentioned, Doug, where I see my reflection staring right back at me. It's insane. There's a lot of stuff going on. I know that you finally watched all of it this weekend, Doug. What are your initial thoughts that you wanted to share? Uh, my initial thought is that every main player in that documentary is irredeemable. I mean, they are all uh, just miserable human beings with very little moral character, moral fiber, whatever you want to call it. And if you find yourself gravitating, justifying, gravitating towards one of these main players, justifying their actions in some way. So I think a lot of people are doing that with my guy, Joe Exotic. Yeah, if you find yourself... justifying Joe Exotic. You've seen that out there in the Twitterverse? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's some Joe Exotic fans out there. So, uh, you know, if you find your... Or some people who side with... Some crazy people who side with Carol Baskins in in this whole endeavor. If you... Let me just say... I want to be clear about this. If you find yourself gravitating towards any of those individuals, you need to reevaluate your moral compass. You need to recalibrate it because these people are just all terrible. And it was incredibly entertaining to watch. It was incredibly entertaining to watch. I was going to go with the exact opposite take, though, as far as people. I, I haven't seen that many people actually come to the defense of Carol Baskin. And you could see maybe easily at trying to quote unquote rescue all of the big cats from their private zoo enclosures. But then again, she's one profiting on a lot of the big cats that she puts and putting them in enclosures, putting them in enclosures. And then you start to hear a lot of the stuff about Carol Baskin surrounding her second husband about how she allegedly killed her husband and fed them to the tigers. And we don't know what happened to her second husband to this day. I've more seen everybody say, Oh yeah, Carol Baskin definitely killed her husband. Right? Like that's the kind of take I've seen. I haven't seen anybody come to the defense, at least from my experience on Twitter. And I hope that I don't see anybody else because you're absolutely right. And how about the ego of doc Antle? I love the way that the documentary presents doc Antle, how they introduce him. So I love the footage and him thinking that he's not on camera and trying to dictate the uh, the director and the way that he should shoot this documentary. And he's like, hey, how about you guys come up on the porch, then I'll open up the door and this is what we can do. It goes to show how much of a control freak he is before we even get to really know this guy. And I thought the documentary and the director did a perfect what kind of character he is well it was yeah it was a, it was a brilliant editorial creative choice by the director to show us not only with doc Antle but some of the other characters the just the moment before they believe that the I, they know the camera is on or at least they should know but but then they still have this belief that like oh no he'll cut this portion and as somebody who has directed and produced people before that happens all the time people are like people assume like oh you'll never use this don't ever assume that if you're on camera. Assume as soon as somebody points a camera at you that it is on. Um, and, and it was a great choice to, to show that because it really highlights the ego of these people. And, you know, he got all of these people to talk because they believed that their side of the story was A, right, and B, would be portrayed exactly as they thought it would be portrayed. And that's why you see so many people, Doc Antle, uh, Carol Baskins, all of these people, except for Joe Exotic, are upset with this documentary. Even the the Joe's husband, 
one of Joe's husbands is, is upset that they didn't show him with his full set of teeth. <laughs> so right all of all, I haven't seen some of the reactions that's excellent information I had no clue the reactions of the subjects of yeah John topic. Finlay his uh, first husband um, was upset because all of the interviews are of, of him without his new set of teeth and since then he has gotten um, new teeth and they said they filmed him with the new teeth but they never showed that and so all of these people, again, have this uh, amazing ego that uh, deludes them. I mean, it's just, it's just pure delusion. And uh, again, it, it's, it's very entertaining to watch. I don't know how educational it is. I don't know how helpful it is to the world at large. But it definitely distracted us from the, the dark, dark stuff that we've got to deal with right now. And I don't want to continue to go down before we end. Sh- I, I don't want to continue to go down this road. But to me, it, it when you have the discussion about this is supposed to be all about the animals, I do think it shows how awful all of these characters are, but it also embraces them to the extent that, okay, if this was really about the safety of the animals, then we wouldn't dedicate an entire episode in season, uh, the episode three to the investigation of Carol Baskin and her second husband's death. Because if it was all about saving the animals and making sure that we were embracing that kind of righteous fight, we wouldn't embrace the characters like we did. Right. And that's, that's the thing that sells. It's the crazy that sells. It's not the animals rights activist that sells. No. And I, and I think it's interesting that we had to go down the Carol pathway because the thing is like, I'm not sure. I think the, the documentary actually dragged a little bit in the final couple of episodes and I'm not sure. It was one episode too long. Like I, yeah. I don't, I was thinking about, I think just one though. Well, and I think it's it, it reflects the fact that the Joe Exotic story, while interesting, could not hold on its own. That's why you needed the Carol element. You needed the mystery element. You needed the serial type of podcast element that goes into the whole Carol Baskins, did she kill her husband story. By the way, I'm on team she didn't kill the husband. I think I think he he lived the remainder of his life in Costa Rica and just said, I got to get out of this nightmare that I'm in. Um, that's I'm on team that I it just I'm a little bit Occam's razor. Like I get it. She seems creepy. She says things all the time that are not necessarily incriminating, but you go, what are you, what are you, like, I remember the, 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 it was a scene late in the documentary when she mentions, um, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna get a lion to attack your foot, then you don't want to use cologne. You want to use something like, you know, sardine oil. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Read the, read the universe. Like everyone thinks you killed your husband. Just don't comment on lions eating people. Just at the top of my head, I wouldn't know about it. I'm just saying that know. sounds like something it would be that would be a good idea. All right, that wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Have a great day, and we'll uh, see you tomorrow. <laughs>